You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the pod. I am Jeff Ellis, your host, former writer 24-7 and at Scout. Today's show is a crossover edition, uh, talking with Chris over from Locked On Tigers. A lot of back and forth, talking about the Indians more than the Tigers. Uh, I know it's supposed to be a crossover and we're supposed to talk about both, but uh, we ended up focusing on the Indians, and it was a 54-minute conversation. So it's going to be our podcast for the next two days, uh, recording, talking about all sorts of things. Uh, Some stuff might be things you've heard me talk about before, some will be new uh it's just a conversation between two locked on hosts uh this week it was myself and chris from locked on tigers our big competitor remember that that's the one the podcast is sitting around 10th or 11th that's who we're trying to jump to get in the top 10 of baseball prod podcasts on the network so make sure to download and listen uh thank you all and enjoy Welcome in, everybody. As I stated at the beginning, it is a crossover week, and the first crossover show that we are doing this week for the AL Central is a organization that is admittedly very near and dear to my heart, and that is the Cleveland Indians. We are joined today by the host of Lockdown Indians, Jeff Ellis. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I, I know these are supposed to be rival teams, and there were parts where I disliked the Tigers, but I got to say, uh, as a near 40-year-old, Old Tiger Stadium has a special place in my heart. Went there so many times. Still a place I, I think back to and enjoy. So uh, Detroit, also an organization with a special place in my heart. So this should be a fun one. For sure, for sure. And, and it's I, I think I said this after the Tigers hired A.J. Hinch, is that the Tigers right now, over the last several years, have become one of the more likable organizations in baseball. And the reason for that is when you look at the record that they've put up against your Indians and the record they've had against the twins and every, most of the other teams that they've played, uh, you become pretty likable when you're going 15 and four against a baseball team year in and year out. But I I did want to talk about the Indians a little bit on here, because I think that there's, there are some parallels between what may be starting up in Cleveland here and what the Tigers have been going through over the last several years. And that is kind of that dreaded word of rebuild. You know, the Tigers hit that reset button later than they should have. And I've, I've gone on about that ad nauseum, so I won't bore you with it, but it was midway through 2017. The team was struggling and they hit the reset button with Verlander being gone and Upton and JD Martinez, Kinsler eventually gone. And they traded away a, a whole lot of top end talent and got back very little for it. But I guess you look at where the Indians are. This is a team that, uh, by all accounts, will still be competitive this year. I guess just to start off, what in your opinion, what's the outlook right now? Like, do you believe that this is a team that has the intention of competing for an American League wild card spot, or is this just kind of a we're gonna the the time's gonna dwindle down and then we're gonna start trading away some more prospects? I mean, what's kind of the general mood of the fan base? I guess the mood of the fan base is one thing. Uh, it's <laughs> it's been you know obviously an off season with. I am very pro uh, getting a new mascot, but for many people, it's like between the mascot change, the Lindor uh, trade, the cutting of payroll, and the uh, you know just the recent stuff that is coming out of there that we have both handled on our podcasts uh, with Mickey Calloway. Uh, the general mood is is very low, and it's 
I mean, the Indians have always kind of struggled. They've always been kind of the third place team in town as long as there's been three teams. Mm-hmm. And with the Browns finally not being uh, a complete doormat, I think they're, you know, even at 30, I think they'll fill the 30%, but it's going to be interesting to see at what point they do not fill. Me personally, um, spending time in and around that organization as much as I did, basically living in double A for parts of three seasons. I am, I'm not all doom and gloom. Uh, I think it's a team that can contend for the wild card. The pitching staff is built up well, and they have depth that is the, still the envy of most teams. They're going to have three to four arms sitting there in AAA who would be four or fives, at least fives for, I, I would argue, a third of baseball. So they have that depth, and the lineup is actually, it, call me crazy, I think it might be better than last year. Uh, I know people are out there uh, saying, how can that be? But when you look at some of the the chances for players maturing, especially by the midseason point when they're going to call up some of these prospects, Having added Eddie Rosario, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to. I don't think they're close to rebuild. They've never wanted to rebuild. It's the same reason they never went all in. Uh, I wanted them to go all in multiple times, but that's not their belief. Their whole thing is, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. You know, the, their best postseason run was when most of their pitching staff was hurt, right? And they just want to keep getting there because when if you can squeak in. Uh, magic can happen and that's basically what they're doing and when you look at farm system ranks i think keith law was the high man on them he put them like three or four Mm -hmm. but they're in you know a top 10 farm team while being a team that's been contending since what 2013 that's weirdly impressive uh but i think they're just going to keep trying to do this and yes it does help when you trade away uh what three stars in the last two years Mm -hmm. but in all of those trades you know, it's like you go back and you look at uh, the Bauer deal. They didn't net uh, a top prospect. You look at the Clevenger deal. I don't think there's anyone who made, a, you know, all three of those deals while they provided players that I'm, some I'm higher on than others. None of them netted like the the gold stud prospect. They netted useful players that I think will help, but it is, uh, it's interesting to see how this season will progress, but I, I still think they'll contend. I mean, I have, you know, the twins fans would eat me alive for this. But I mean, I still have concerns with that Twins pitching staff. I think they so, are just as vulnerable as they were a year ago. I, I think the White Sox look to be the class. What's your take of this division? I mean, I, I'm I've been big on the White Sox for a couple of years now. I, I just think you they are to me the antithesis of how the Tigers have gone about things. Where that was a, a rebuild that was perfectly timed, and they traded. All these star players, when their value was highest with Sale and Quintana and Eaton, and the return they got back was excellent. I thought they did. They took massive strides a year ago. I think that lineup is ridiculous. And, you know, there's that that kind of mystery box of what happened with the manager there and bringing in La Russa. And that, that is going gonna, is gonna to stir up some controversy and, and should have. I, I'm, I'm pretty big on them. You know, the Twins will always be competitive, at least, you know, under their current regime. But they're another team, and I feel – I feel bad saying this because I'm I'm friends with Nash Walker, who does a great job with Lockdown Twins, but I I always have a hard time buying into them when they, you know, they've gone so many opportunities without winning a playoff game. You know, even last year they had a golden opportunity against an Astros team that was under 500 in a three-game set and couldn't couldn't even sneak squeak out one. So you know, I I I think they'll be really competitive. And look with the Indians, the the way I felt about them is 
there is a way, and I think this is the way they're going to try to go about things. There is a way to retool without necessarily having to hit that whole reset button. Like if you are a well-run organization, look at the the current you know, teams in baseball right now that are kind of at the top of their game. The Dodgers never tanked. The Yankees never tanked. The Nationals never tanked. Yes, there are instances like the Cubs did when Epstein got there, but the reason for that was the fact that that was an organization that didn't have a lot of major league talent and had even less talent uh, down in the farm system. You look at what the Indians are doing I get the impression that they are going to do all they can to remain competitive, to not isolate the fan base here. And you know what? If they have a few years where they're between 75 to 80 wins, yeah, that, that'll be tough. But I think you look at the moves that they've made over the last several years, trading guys when their their stock has been at the at their highest. They've gotten a plethora of prospects back. And you, know, you don't want to see anybody get injured, but baseball is a business. And you look at what – the, the three guys they've traded away, the three stars, like you said, are actually four if you want to in, include uh, Kluber and, and Clevenger in there. So, that you know, the three pitchers and Lindor, uh, Bauer was excellent a year ago, but played, you know, was not so great in the latter part of 2019 and is no longer a red. Mike Clevenger will, I think, come back and be very good. I think at his best, he's a top 15 pitcher in baseball, but injured Tommy John going to miss all of this season. Corey Second Kluber, one of those too, which is always scary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Corey Kluber pitched all of one inning. I believe it was with the, the Rangers a season ago and is now a member of the New York Yankees. I mean, if we're talking about winning trades, it's kind of hard to, even with the you know, kind of so, so return that some people believe they may have gotten initially, it's kind of hard to view any of those and be like, all right, well, the, the Indians lost that deal. I mean, I think again, to kind of compare and contrast with my own team, it's like the Tigers traded Verlander in 2017. They got back a, a catching pro- prospect in Jake Rogers, a pitching prospect in Franklin Perez and a center fielder in Daz Cameron. Daz Cameron had a 700 something OPS in AAA a couple of years ago. Jake Rogers got called up in 2019 and had a 481 OPS. And Franklin Perez has pitched, I believe, 20 innings with the Tigers since coming over there. And Verlander went on to win the, win a Cy Young and won what was ultimately a tainted World Championship with Houston. Uh, you haven't had that uh, kind of return with Detroit. So is there kind of a a Maybe not, maybe patience isn't the right word, but I feel like with the Indians, the other thing that they have is they've had a fair amount of success with the current regime that is there kind of a trust within the fan base that, you know what, I know we're, we're trained Lindor and I know there's frustration, but is there a general belief that the, they will be able to write this ship and within a few years, they'll have a team that's back to kind of where they were 2016 through 2018 there? And before I answer that question, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor, rockauto.com. Heard me talk about them many, many times. Let's go. Uh, Recently, we got a new car in my household. So let's see how easy it is to sit back and find parts and pieces for this car using rockauto.com. It helps if I could actually spell correctly, but I can already see, boom, typed in the name, find the year of the car. So we got a Chrysler Pacifica, and it's right there, electronic or V6. It's And it's what's nice is it is just that drop-down menu. I can just go all the way through. I can look at accessories, uh, trailer ball and mount hitch, trailer hitch, side window vents, mud flaps. What happens if there was an issue with the ignition? Well, all of it's listed there. Interior, my goodness, dashboard cover, dashboard air vent, 
seat packs, seat backs, seat bumpers, USB ports. I mean, there are things that this car didn't come with that I can get the pieces for it if I had the skill to upgrade it or if I know someone who can. And that's what's fun about Rock Auto is they have it all. And they're going to have it at a fantastic price because they pass on their savings by having one central location, low overhead. All that gets passed on back to you, the consumer. I mean, all the parts your car will ever need. That's what they say. That is what they're known for. When you go there, make sure in the how'd you hear about us, put locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indy. It's some form of locked on so they know that their advertising money is well spent. I know nothing about cars. I can navigate Rock Auto to find parts for a car that we just bought this week. Go check it out for yourself, rockauto.com. Make sure you tell them that Locked On sent you. While you're doing that, make sure to check on on, Locked On Today, the daily podcast with all the news and notes you will need. Subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And now for the answer to that question. You know, it is interesting because a big thing going through Cleveland Twitter about a month ago was, how do you trade, you know, Kluber, Carrasco, Lindor, Bauer, and Clevenger? And they didn't get a single top 100 prospect because it was either MLB or Baseball America had released their lists. And, right. and the thing with the Indians, well, there's two things. When you look at those trades, they prioritized now. You know, Fran Mil Reyes was the center of right. the the Bauer deal. Like, to, to look at it any other way is disingenuous. Uh, they, with adding... Uh, Naylor and Quantrill, I'll stand. I think Gabriel Arias is someone they're incredibly high on, higher than most. And that's that's the second part. The Indians have, I don't, spending time in, in and around them, they look at things differently. I don't know if you looked at the group chat back when they made the Clevenger deal, but I was like in there going, you have to understand, they they look at everything differently. Like they would not want Luis uh, Campesino, or Camp, I'm terrible with pronunciations, but the catcher who was like one of their top prospects at the Padres, I'm like, no, they're spending, this is a team with a $40 million payroll and they're spending 8 million of it on catching because they value defense so much of that position. And they have 40 million shortstops and like three outfield prospects. They, they do things differently. They look at things differently. Their boards stack up differently. And with their deals, they go for, they do like safety. It's interesting because they draft for ceiling and trade for safety, hmm. but they also go with, you know, when you, you go back and you talk about the, the Verlander deal, I kind of liked it at the time, even as I did too, even as I was, I was never a Daz guy. Like I just, with, uh, Rogers, I was like, he was the best defensive catcher and all of a sudden he was hitting, but you know, I've something the Astros have done. And I realized this, uh, as I followed prospects is they're very good at, uh, inflating value, Mm -hmm. putting guys at the right level. And I got suckered in by that. Uh, and Perez just own set of issues, but the Indians would, for they're never doing like a three for one. They always want as many pieces as possible. So they have a better chance of hitting They're They're definitely going for as many eggs in the basket. So they just, they just do things very differently. It's like I said, you can even go back to that Bauer deal. There's a lot of teams that would have been happy to settle for, you know, a uh, Tramel. And he was the biggest prospect in that trade. And he was one of the biggest prospects traded at last deadline. And the Indians had what another chance to add him if they wanted. And they didn't because they'd rather, they definitely go for the more is better approach and it's, it's different. It's, it makes it a lot of fans want splash and that just doesn't come in the Indians deal. And when this last deal happened, I wasn't the biggest fan, but that's just cause you know, I, I not the biggest wolf and green person. Those were kind of more periphery guys for me, but 
at the same time, someone like myself, I can sit back and be like, this is an organization who they don't, they've won like 70% of their trades over the last decade. I'm going to sit back and appreciate it, but there's in the fan base, at least what you see in the Twitter basis, uh, people are, it is funny how often people will get so mad and then they have to walk it back. No, I, I see that completely. And, and I, of course, you know, in, in the moment, there's always that frustration, especially when you're trading away star players. Now, the, the point you made about the Indians farm system is very true. They're a depth organization. And, and you, a lot of the arguments I've gotten with into with people about the, the Tigers farm system is like, yes, you know what? They've tanked for four years and they got Torkelson out of that. And they got Mize out of that. And they got Matt, Ma- Matt Manning out of that. And they've gotten Riley Green, you know, some really good top-tier talent. But once you're, you know, the, the core of your farm system, like, like where you kind of make your bones, is not those top-end guys. Because any person could take top-five talent in a draft. It is those depth pieces, those guys where if you have an in- instance in your season where somebody gets injured, you can call up a guy from, from the farm system and at least have him be a replacement level, if not just good. And, and that's somewhere where I think the Indians have thrived in uh, over the last you know, half, over the last decade, really, in terms of their farm system has been uh, that kind of depth. I mean, it was that core that they built through the system, which helped them win three straight uh, American League Central Crowns, win the pennant in 2016, break the, the American League consecutive wins record in 2017. I, I did want to focus in on one part because I've talked about this a bunch about the Indians organization. And I, there is a lot of frustration, mainly regarding ownership. And I, and I will ask about that because there are some par- uh, parallels between them and the Tigers. But the Indians have an immaculate record when it comes to starting pitching development. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy when you look at the amount of guys that they've had go through their system. Now, some guys, they didn't draft like Bauer. They didn't draft, but they, they righted the ship with him. They fixed him when, when he got there from Arizona. And you look at just the assembly line of pitchers that have either ranged from good serviceable major league pitchers to all-star caliber Cy Young level talent. My question about this is, and I've tried to ask before, and some I've just kind of gotten like generic answers, but how is that? And that that's the reason I think you guys are going to continue to compete for a while. How is it that year in and year out, there's another pitching prospect coming up through the, the Cleveland system that seems like they get to the major league, uh, seems like they get to the movies, and they're ready to go from pitch number one? Our other fantastic sponsor today is betonline.ag. I thought I'd have some fun. Remember when you go to bet online to use the promo code locked on, get a 50% welcome bonus on uh, your first deposit. So what is the fun? I went and looked at major league baseball futures. It is interesting to look at this regular season home run. Uh, This is AL and NL. I did not expect to see Mike Trout top of that list, nor did I expect to see Eugenio Suarez after the year he had to be in the top 10 uh, Indians not represented as far as I could see in a quick look. If you're looking AL Rookie of the Year, Tristan McKenzie is actually tied for fourth with Nate Pearson, Nick Madrigal, and Wander Franco. Wander Franco. Further down the list, uh, near the bottom, Nolan Jones tied with uh, Michael Kopech, Julio Rodriguez, Debbie Garcia, Alex Kirloff. Should we continue? Why not? Shane Bieber is third for the Cy Young. Corey Kluber, fifth. I thought that was, let me put it this way, I'm not taking that bad. Further down the list, you do have Zach Plesak tied with uh, 
Nathan Avaldi, Mike Miner, Luis Severino, Dylan Cease, Dylan Bundy, Chris Bassett. Uh, that's, ooh, I mean, Bassett's the far and away the best of that group. I am not sure why Dylan Cease and Nathan Avaldi are there. And Tristan McKenzie is the next Indians pitcher represented. Most valuable player, Jose Ramirez tied for third with Bregman and Judge. And, you know, it's always fun to go and look at this stuff. Remember, if you know what you're doing, if you are disagreeing with some of my takes with a, what's a good betting line or not, go to betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On, and uh, make those bets for yourself. Get that 50% welcome bonus. And remember to check out Locked On MLB with Sully. Great dude, great podcast. Go check it out today if you love baseball. And back to my conversation. It is interesting because, you know, you go back, Kluber was a trade, Clevenger was right. a trade, Bauer was a trade. And the the interesting thing with this is, like, they're developing starters at this fantastic rate. And a lot of it, like, I, I, my first year where I spent a lot of time in double A was Clevenger's breakout year. And I remember I went to double A and everyone was like, and I went there kind of like head down because it was a bad team. There was, I mean, the minors were very weak for the Indians at that point in general. And that team, you went there and you go, I don't know if there's going to be a single future major leaguer. And I go there and I, like Clevenger's third start, I'm like, okay, this guy is one of their top three prospects. And then I looked across at the corner outfielder for this player I'd never heard of named Yandy Diaz. And I'm like, he is also one of their top five prospects where these guys come from. And talking to Clevenger that year, he was like, when he was with the Angels, they gave him like a binder. The Indians instead like broke down his, his approach and really got to work with him uh, on like the biomechanics and just his body and things like that. And, you know, a, a Tigers example of this I t- I've talked about recently is Kyle Dowdy, who the Indians got in a trade that I kind of regret now. Like uh, Kyle is a very intelligent guy. He's a great uh, depth arm for the Indians. But that's uh, Willie Castro would be a nice addition in Cleveland right now with uh, what we're seeing with him. But he was uh, the secondary piece along with Leonis uh, Martin. And he came to Cleveland and within a month he was throwing 98, 99, 100. Now the Akron gun can run a little hot, but he went other places and was throwing and he ended up being a rule five pick. He was returned to the Indians, but everyone saw that velocity jump. Now he is a solidly built dude. If you ever been around him, he is strong. <laughs> He's not the person, he, he, you know, again, very intelligent. I sat up there with him while he was, he would sit in the press box they, and they would have a lot of the guys up there. Like I sat next to uh, Tristan McKenzie in the press box and they are charting every pitch and they're talking about it and uh, you know, talking about pitch development and they're charting each other and tracking this. And Kyle's very smart, but also like I said, he's very strong, but the Indians just got to work with him. And within a month he had gained like three miles an hour from that mm. trade with the tight, they saw stuff there. And the Indians also know what teams are awful at pitcher development. You will see them target organizations that can't develop. And they know that they know which ones aren't doing well. And they will uh, keep adding players for a time. It was the reds. They were adding pitchers from the reds. They were adding minor league cast offs from the reds. They were seeing if they could find something there. And, you know, the Reds are now a phenomenal organization for that. I don't want to belittle anyone who's there. I think they're one of the best. They've gone out of their way to remedy that situation. But the Indians knew who couldn't develop and they would target players. And they also would just sit there and look for guys and be like, okay, we think we can help them. And Shane Bieber threw like 89-90 at UC Santa Barbara. And for as much as anyone wants to talk about him, that draft class, he was the third. They took three pitchers, all of a similar ilk 
which were control specialists, some of the lowest walk rates in the country. And Bieber was the third one in that group. Like if they thought he was going to be anywhere near now, they wouldn't have taken, you know, Andrew Landtrip before him. They might've tried to take Savali first. Cause honestly, Savali was higher rated in that class by most places, but they saw stuff there and they were able to work with him. The, the interesting other side of this for as good as they can do with all of those starters, uh, they have some relief pitching depth right now, but when you look at this team in terms of their ability to develop relievers, it's awful. Uh, they have not developed yeah. relievers internally. Like, the one I always bring up on the show, it may not for Tigers fans, they probably don't remember David Risky, but like David Risky is a top five reliever in recent Indians history in terms of war. You got Paul Shuey, you've got, um, gosh, I'm just having my brain shut down. Uh, Cody Allen, guys like that. It's for whatever reason, they can develop starters and not relievers. And the other interesting thing is they've been really bad with high school pitchers. They have taken a lot of high school arms and given them six-figure bonuses, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they haven't, you look at their pitching staff, until Tristan McKenzie here, they have not had a, a high schooler that they developed in almost a decade. So it's, it is interesting to see that regard of it. They, they, they returned to what was successful this past draft. They drafted arms that fit their mold. They had gone for ceiling the previous few years, but they went back to a very similar type. And then you go to that Clevenger deal, like Joey Cantillo is exactly that type. Like they, they cert- seem to have a specific type of arm they do best with. They're trying various things, but it just comes down to, you know, it's a, they are so analytical. They sit there and they can break down what isn't working. And if a player is willing to sit down and work with them, uh, they'll, it, it, there typically has always been improvement. It's not always foolproof. And I do think at the same time, for all of Trevor Bauer's ups and downs, I think he did foster a very competitive environment with those oh, yeah. pitchers in the big leagues. And I do think Bauer helped. Like I am not the biggest Bauer guy. People who listen to the podcast know that, but I think he helped. I think between him and Clevenger and Bieber, it became a contest. And one thing we know, it's like these players are competitive at everything through the years as an Indians fans. We've heard about the Mario Kart, the RBI baseball, right. everything's a competition. So when you get that group of guys and they're trying to develop pitches and do things like that, I think that also helps. So I think some of it is just the players themselves. So that's my long-winded approach. Hopefully I gave you no, a little bit more information. No, I really appreciate it. Cause I mean, we're, we're dying as, as fans here to figure out a, a, a way of cracking the code here. I, I mean, this is an organization that currently has three starting pitching prospects and I believe the top 25 prospects in baseball, depending on who you ask. And we saw two of them last year in, in uh, Casey Mize and Tarek Scooball, and they struggled a bit. Scooball was all right. Uh, after the first uh, two rough outings, he was, he only had one really bad start after that, but it did seem like there was another gear that was missing. And one of the big reasons why I was so excited about the AJ Hinch higher was I knew he's an analytically minded guy. And the, one of the first things he did was he went out and he got Chris Fetter, who was the, the pitching coach for the university of Michigan for several years, which, I mean, I, I don't know how, how much people who listen to this podcast follow college baseball, but you don't make the college world series in the big 10 and you sure as hell don't do it at Michigan. I mean, they hadn't made it there in 19, since 1984. And he did it with a group of pitchers that was phenomenal. I mean, Tommy Henry and, and Blake Kaufman and Jeff Criswell, he did an unbelievable job with them and the Yankees interviewed him. And there were a lot of Yankees fans that I knew that who were disappointed when he wasn't hired. So yeah, we're looking for that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of 
secret sauce, I guess, for someone to come along and, and, and find a way to develop these pitchers because outside of Justin Verlander, and that's really the biggest issue here, Jeff, is with this organization is outside of Justin Verlander, who, and I've made this argument before, probably in terms of pure stuff, might be the greatest pitching prospect of the last, well, outside of Strasburg. Uh, maybe the greatest pitching prospect of the last 25 years, you know, and, and I think he can I'll, compete with Strasburg. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I, I it was I, the reason I go with Strasburg is he was just such a, he was just such a, a, a phenom when he came up and he was like the first big draft pick of that. And not the first big pick, but like the first number one pick, I believe of that organization. And it was like, it was such a huge deal when he got called up, but you know, Verlander was the man, but outside of that, now, Porcello was all right, but went to a better, went to another team and had better seasons. Falmer was with the Mets before he came to the Tigers. I mean, you can get all the prospects that you want, but if you don't have a, a good staff around you, good scouts, good pitching coaches, you're going to fall into a lot of wasted talent. And that's kind of the issue that the Tigers have ran into and a team like the Indians has not. And I, I just, I want to transition here because I've, I've really loved, I really enjoyed watching the Indians over the last, I mean, we're, we're close to a decade now, but let's cap it at about eight years, you know, since 2013. And it's been interesting watching that core grow. And it was a team that won a ton of games and several division titles had that amazing run in 2016. The, the parallels that I see between them and the Tigers right now is you have fans right now who, if, if not for COVID would be standing outside of Comerica park, literally on their knees, begging for Chris Illich to spend some money. I mean, they Robbie Grossman received a two-year, $10 million deal from the Tigers this year. That was the first multi-year deal that the Tigers had handed out to a free agent since Justin Upton, and that was five years ago, I believe. So we're talking about four, four or five straight off-seasons in which they don't sign a single player to a multi-year deal. I think there's some parallels between them and the Indians because – you always got the impression that the Indians core was as good as anybody's from 16, even, even to last year where they always came up short was that they went up against these big market teams that were, that went out and spent money on, you know, the, the John Lester's of the world, or, you know, take your pick on whichever guy the Yankees got or the Astros when they traded for Verlander and signed Brantley any one of those guys. So we are over 30 minutes, and I'm going to cut it there because I still have another 28 minutes to go on the recording. You can tune in to hear more of a, a fun conversation between myself and Chris over at Locked On Tigers. Like I said, you, you look at it, I've cut less than half of the total amount. There's, like I said, 53 minutes. The fact that there's still 28 means I've only taken out, what, 25 quick math. So tomorrow's podcast has a chance to be longer. In the old days, this would have been something I chopped up and made three podcasts. But tune in and listen. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It all helps. I am Jeff Ellis. This is Lockdown Indians. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.